Welcome to what we call Holy Week. It begins with the triumphal entry, usually celebrated on Sunday, and some of your churches may have even done that. And it usually ends with kind of a Good Friday or Resurrection Sunday, depending on how you want to break it up. But because it's such an important time of the Christian calendar, I try to spend some more time on it during the week. And so we'll have a few different reflections. So tune in as we keep going during the week. Well, the four books that detail Jesus' life, if you haven't noticed, are a bit different while still being quite the same. (laughs) Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. Sometimes we call them the synoptics. They seem to even have possibly borrowed from each other to compose their accounts. And yet we have this other gospel, this other writing about Jesus' life called John that seems to have no corollary at all. He just doesn't seem to, to fit those other three in terms of the way and style that they write, though the stories, of course, have all kinds of overlap. Well, one of the differences between their accounts is how they relate Holy Week. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke spend a lot of their time telling us about what Jesus did and said to the crowds during the week between his, his entry and his death. While John barely spends any time on that at all, and instead he gives us this massive teaching block that transpires over kind of the Passover meal and on their way to Gethsemane. Another difference is John's placement of the cleansing of the temple. Matthew, Mark, and Luke place over Sunday, Monday, three things that basically happen. First, Jesus comes into Jerusalem in a prophetic and kingly fashion. And then he goes into the temple and he casts out the merch tables. And then finally, we have some teaching and miracles that are recorded. But John is a lot different. He does tell us that Jesus came into Jerusalem in a prophetic and kingly fashion, (laughs) but he neglects completely the tossing of the merch tables. Why does he do that? Well, he does that because he actually put that way back at the beginning of his gospel. And all the way back in John 2, we learn that there was a time of Passover when Jesus went up to Jerusalem exactly like we expect, exactly like we read in the other books, and exactly like we read here in this instance later on in Jesus's life, only way back at the beginning is where he takes that cord of leather to drive out the animals and where he tips over the tables and spills money everywhere. And you can probably imagine the scene if you've ever been to a petting zoo. Make that a thousand times worse. (laughs) Where in this courtyard are animals, doves and pigeon and cattle and, and goats and sheep. Imagine the poop on the ground and the pawing and just the animal smell and noise. And then all mixed about are these tables where they have people gathered around exchanging money and haggling over prices. And then Jesus comes and just bulldozing everything, knocking tables over, money's going everywhere. Animals are screaming in pain as he swats them and drives them. The hungry, the desperate poor, the greedy, the easily swayed, jumping onto the ground, grabbing at coins, mixing it together. The managers of the table, equally upset, equally freaking out, diving in to save as much of their profits as they can. It's incredibly loud and smelly and chaotic. But we see at least one moment where through the noise and the chaos, Jesus issues his challenge 
take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of business. Now, what I'm calling merch tables were basically a function of the temple hierarchy, just for those of you who might not have heard about this before. When you traveled to worship God, you you had to sacrifice at the temple still, of course, and the priest could say to you, sorry, I I see a blemish on that sheep. That sheep's just not good enough. You're going to have to go outside and buy one. And it just so happens today we have a sale. (laughs) But you find out not only does the sale suck, but you have to switch your money like a temple mall arcade. And guess who favors? But guess who the exchange rate favors? So Jesus is outraged that the temple system is so clearly existing to continue favoring itself so that it continued to exist, while at the same time pretending that its existence is a benefit to the people. Jesus cuts through all that garbage. But it's just as fascinating to think about how John puts that at the beginning of his gospel and directly following the wedding feast in Canaan where Jesus does his first miracle of changing water into wine. You couldn't imagine a more starkly different contrast between stories. One, so a beautiful wedding feast, a beautiful party, and one, Jesus is in Jerusalem causing havoc and ruckus. But you can see then through this even the difference between Jesus and the temple system, which he is setting himself up against. Jesus is at the wedding with the people. He supplies the needs of the community, the honor of the house, the fun of the party. Why? Why does he give of himself to make all that wine? Because his mom asked him to. Because the people needed it. Because it was necessary for the moment. Because it was a blessing. Because it was good. And then he goes to the temple and sees the priests send back a lamb because they had a crooked tooth. That wasn't what God was talking about when he said, don't offer to me any blemished gifts. God was talking about bringing him second-rate stuff. If the best you have is a sheep with a crooked tooth, you think God cares about that? It's not like he's eating the thing anyway. It wasn't that God ever wanted decreasing amounts of more. God wants it to matter more. He wants your worship to matter. He wants your love to matter. If the best you have is what you bring, wonderful. Doesn't God say, I desire mercy more than sacrifice, knowing me more than sacrificing to me? But the people got so wrapped up in their systems, in their power, in the way things are, that they forgot. They forgot about the way things should be. We should be careful not to make that same mistake. So why does John put it first? It's hard to say exactly, but but at least one theory I find compelling is simply this, that Jesus is trying to show us the difference between him and the other powers. It makes a lot of sense to make sure that we know right away that Jesus is challenging the status quo, that he is sitting with the average person, the family trying to put on a good wedding for their kid in the community, And we juxtapose this to the cold, hard stone of the temple, which feels more like a black hole sucking resources than a beacon of light that shines forth the abundance of God. So John sets us up to see Jesus rightly, 
not an agent on the side of power and wealth and luxury, or even seeking for the starlight, for accolades. No, Jesus says when his mom asks him to make the, the water, make the wine, to fix the problem, he says, my hour's not yet come. It's not time for me to be on, on the stage. And she says, well, we kind of need this, though. And so Jesus reluctantly steps into the stage. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something to be emulated? Isn't that lovely? But I don't even want to stop there because John does something, one last thing I, I can't I can't not talk about. And that's how he tells us the story of his triumphal entry because he gives us the depiction, much like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of Jesus going into Jerusalem um, on the back of a donkey and the people shouting Hosanna and this fulfillment of prophecy and all of that. But John gives us something no one else does. Immediately coming out of that sequence, we read, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, there were some Greeks. And Philip knew them. And they came to Philip and said, we want to see Jesus. And Philip goes to Jesus and says, hey, there are some people who aren't Jews and they want to see you. And that is so beautiful. We don't get that very, other, very many other places. So much of the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is directed directly at the Jewish people. Here at the triumphal entry, here at the moment that we see King Jesus, the next thing we see are those who are most distant from him being brought close to him. And man, does that sound like good news. Peace and strong coffee.